Well, this comes a little too late for a Christmas gift, but you should take note. Perhaps you'll want to use this idea next year. It's called Pack Up Plus Go. And here's how the website describes the service. Do you spend weeks dreaming of weekend getaways? Love traveling but loathe planning? Be adventurous. Be spontaneous. Embrace the unknown. Let us plan your three-day weekend. The catch? Your destination is a surprise. You can even give the gift of a surprise vacation to a friend or a family member. Here's how it all works. I researched. You plug in your budget. Then you provide them a few travel dates. And then you answer a survey regarding your travel preferences. Then a week before you leave, an email arrives telling you what the weather's going to be like where you ultimately go and where and when your trip begins. On the day of departure, you open the envelope and that reveals your destination. It comes with some literature to help you best spend your time while you're there. You're guaranteed not to be bored. If you want to try it, it's packupgo.com. Now, for me, a weekend getaway to a surprise destination sounds fun. It's certainly adventurous. But if I were to be gone for much longer than three days, I'd probably want to know where I was headed and what I should expect. I would want to approve my destination in advance. A serious traveler who plans to be gone a while likes to turn over some rocks. We like to look behind the curtains and learn exactly what we're getting into beforehand. An extended stay requires some prior assurances. And the same is true when it comes to churches. You know, some folks visit a church on a whim. It's sort of a pack-up, plus-go kind of experience. Their goal is to just sample a new place. Folks like being surprised by the new and novel. In fact, often people don't even decide where they're going to visit until Sunday morning. They like the adventure of it. Why plan? Be spontaneous. Embrace the unknown. And that's fine if all you care about is one Sunday. But that's not how you visit if you're really looking to join a church and become part of its ministry. If you're searching for an extended family, a more permanent destination, then you'll want some more definitive information, and that's what I want to provide to you this morning. If our church is a pack-up-plus-go surprise destination for you today, that's fine. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. But what we really want is for people to share our vision and be committed to the values for which we stand. We're looking for long-term partners and for that to develop, folks really need a better idea of what a church is about. Rather than view church as a weekend getaway, a surprise to enjoy, church should be a home where you settle in and where you build relationships. It's where you and your family sink roots. Spiritually speaking, we're fighting a battle, the intensity of which is increasing with every passing year. We need a headquarters on the battlefield where we can find shelter and where we can receive God's marching orders. This is how we want you to view Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. We're a church that takes seriously Jesus' great commission. 
just before the Lord ascended into heaven here in Matthew 28, he said to his followers, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like the website, Jesus told his followers to pack up and go. But not just on a weekend getaway. He commissions them to make disciples of all nations. And he orders them to do so until the end of the age. In this passage, Jesus tells his followers, both then and now, to go. But not as if they're on a weekend excursion or a surprise vacation. But to go long For he will be with us always. And to go wide, our going should include all nations. And to go deep, to make disciples, not just draw a crowd. And to go far, even to the end of the age. This is what I want you to understand regarding Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. Here's what we're about as a church. We're not just for weekend adventure seekers. Nor are we a trip tailored to your own preferences. In 2019, we have been called by God to go. To go long and to go wide and to go deep and to go far. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. First, as followers of Jesus, we've been called to go long. When we were kids and playing football in the backyard, time was running out. Perhaps it was getting dark, or maybe mom had already called us to come in. We'd all huddle up, and the quarterback would say, everybody go long. He'd heave the ball as far as he could in hopes that somebody would make the catch. It was an act of desperation, for time was running out. And I believe time is running out on us. Jesus is coming back soon. Prophetic events mentioned in the Bible regularly are appearing now in our nightly news. The Middle East is heating up. Natural disasters are commonplace. Globalism is a driving force. Perilous times are upon us. Jesus is calling. It's almost time to come in. And in light of it all, we need to go long. Not as an act of desperation, but our going long needs to be more a matter of dedication Rather than toy with the new and novel, Jesus wants us to hold fast to those things that are tried and true. When I say go long, I'm talking about sticking with those truths that Jesus taught from the beginning. For what the Lord begins, he intends to finish. As Jesus told his disciples, I am with you always, and the Lord Jesus never changes. Hebrews 13 verse 8 declares, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, we live in a world that's subject to radical and rapid changes. Just in my lifetime, the transformations have been amazing. When it comes to math calculations, we've gone from an abacus, believe it or not, we actually used an abacus in elementary school, to a slide rule to a calculator, to a computer, to a smartphone, now to an Apple Watch. I'm just saying we live in a world of constant change, and we all feel the pressure to keep up. Even in church, we think that the answer is to monitor the changes 
and adapt accordingly. Oh, stay abreast of the times. And in a sense, this may be true. Customs do change, and we need to be able to relate to our changing culture. But we need to know that the Bible never changes. Jesus is with us always. His words and His will are timeless. There are truths and principles that we should adhere until the end of the age. To me, go long speaks of uncompromising ministry. I want you to know that I've been the pastor of this church for 38 years. And there are beliefs and principles that I'm going to take with me to the grave. My confidence in the Bible as God's word. My belief in its ability to change lives. My commitment to teach you all of the Bible. These are non-negotiables for me. The Word of God is what we need whether we realize it or not. And that's what God has called us to do, to teach His Word. And not just our belief in the Bible, but other truths are non-negotiable for me. Our emphasis on worshiping God, not just entertaining people. Our longing for the power of the Holy Spirit, even if that takes us into uncomfortable territory. That marriage is between one man and one woman. That God made humans, male and female, and wants men to lead in the family and in the church. I realize that none of these convictions are popular among growing churches today. The prevailing attitude in church circles is to keep with the basics. Oh, talk about the love of Jesus and little else. Don't bring up doctrines that are going to cause controversy or limit our appeal to the society at large. I'm sorry, but that's not what I've been called to do. I've been called to give you the Word and all of God's Word. I'm about going long. I have staked my ministry on principles I believe are, will be as true at the end of the age as they were from the start. What's truly true isn't affected by trends and cultural shifts. God's truth is universal and absolute. See, Christianity is like investing in the stock market. You need a go-long strategy if you want to be successful. If you're always panicking and selling off shares of stock every time there's a dip in the market, you'll never reap a return. You can't jump ship in the downturns. And just because what we believe as Christians isn't cool at the moment, that doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus is always with us, and his commandments are certain and sure. Thus, we need the courage to go long and to persevere. Let's be committed to the immutable truths of God, even in a constantly shifting world. As we've often said here at Calvary Chapel, we bring a changeless gospel to a changing world. You know, it's ironic, 35 years ago, what set Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain apart from other churches was our willingness to adapt to the changing world around us. Our music and contemporary style were ahead of its time. Today, though, what sets us apart is our willingness to hold fast to a changeless gospel. I hope you'll stand strong with me. Make no mistake about it, your presence here on Sunday shouts out your support of our values and our commitment. When you come to church and bring your friends, you take a stand. When you don't, the rest of us are left thinking that we're, we're doing it alone. And we will, but it's better to go long together. Years ago, I received a book that sat on my shelf for decades now 
The title of the book has become my motto. It's called, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's what I hope characterizes my ministry. A long obedience in the same direction. Jesus promised his disciples, I am with you always, and as long as he is, we should be faithful to him. Well, we need to go long, and we need to go wide. Jesus said we need to make disciples of all the nations. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 gives us a glimpse of the future and the throne of God. For all eternity, people will sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. For all eternity, the throne of God will be shrouded in praise. And the worshipers here are identified. Perhaps they all take an Ancestry.com DNA test. I'm not sure. But however it's done, their ethnicity is documented. Those before the throne come from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Among the worshipers of God are all races and all nations and all ethnicities. They're all represented there in heaven. In the eternal state, people put aside their differences and they worship as one redeemed people before the living God. Why is it we don't worship the same way on earth? But we don't. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, It is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Why is it that racial groups are reluctant to worship together? Michael Emerson, a Rice University sociologist, he defines a multiracial church as a church where no one racial group is more than 80% of that congregation. Well, based on that measurement, Emerson says, Only 8% of Christian churches in the United States are racially mixed to a significant degree. Compare that statistic to the multi-ethnic throng worshiping in heaven before the throne of God, and the church on earth should be utterly embarrassed. It seems that human beings in general like to worship with people who look and talk and think like them. I'm not saying this is an evil tendency. It might just be convenience. It's easier to worship with people that you assume you know and understand. Sharing a similar background breeds trust going forward. It's harder to develop a camaraderie with people of different color and culture. Unless you've been nudged by God to do so, I doubt if most people want to put forth the effort to bridge that gap. See, you have to stretch to understand someone raised differently than you. It takes an open mind to educate yourself. You have to grow if you want to get along with folks who have a different frame of reference and different life experiences. It's easier just to hang out with your own peeps. But this year, I want to challenge Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain to go wide. I believe this is what God is doing in our church. He's going against the grain. 
He's doing something special that you rarely see. God is putting together the same consortium on earth that you find at the throne of God in heaven. And if you want to be a part of this family, you need to join in that effort. You need to get with the program. Recently, after the ladies' Christmas event, my wife sent me a photograph. It was taken at the coffee house. And Kathy was so proud of this photograph. She sent it to me, and she texted along with it. This is our church now. This is what God has called us to be. And here's the photo from left to right. There's lovely Edith from the Philippines. There's Julie, who lives in the subdivision across the street, a former pastor's wife from Nigeria. There's Gianna from Venezuela, who who could be a pastry chef, I might add. One of the best cooks I've ever ever, uh, had. (laughs) Tracy's bulging waistline is evidence. Lauren. Little Lauren was raised Jewish and is now half of a successful interracial marriage. Michelle, a faithful single mom. Carolyn, a former Methodist, no less. And one of the biggest parted people that I know. And then there's Donna, who's this kind of artsy, creative, hippie-type gal. And then my friend Angelica, a sweet grandma from Chile. And four more women of color. Edith brought a friend, and Michelle brought her sister. And there's another Michelle on the other end of the the line there who's been coming to our church for years. This group of ladies is as diverse as it gets, yet they have become real friends. In fact, they are more than friends. They are sisters in Christ. This photo is a microcosm of what God is doing here at Calvary Chapel, and I'm proud to be a part. I want to do all I can to foster this kind of health. You're aware that our country is seriously fragmented along racial lines. Even after two terms of an African-American president, race relations in the United States is worse today than it's been in the last 50 years. Yet racial togetherness can happen. It is possible if you and I are committed to it. If we see it as a part of our calling as a church, I believe God has positioned Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain to model to a fractured world the unity of His Spirit. Our church can be evidence of the love of Jesus Christ. But along with His love, it also takes effort. In 2016, the racial harmony of Calvary Chapel was threatened by a contentious election. At the time, I made a comment that offended one of the African ladies in our church. It wasn't malicious on my part, but her life experiences and my life experiences caused us to see a thing differently. It it happens. It will happen again. Yet rather than her nurture her hurt, she took the time and she made the effort to come and talk to me. And together we worked through it. It would have been so much easier for her to have walked away and go to a racially exclusive church. But she was an example of the commitment it takes to produce true racial harmony. If you're black, let me ask you, do you only hang out with black friends? If you're white, do you only buddy up with white friends? 
When was the last time you called a friend of another race or invited that friend to hang out? Several months ago, I was invited to dinner by a Nigerian family in our church. I wasn't familiar with all the food on the table, I admit. And I'm sure I made a few cultural snafus before the night was done. But those people showed me great hospitality. It would have been easier for them to attend another church with a Nigerian pastor, but God called them to be here. I'm just saying, we've been commissioned by Jesus to go, but Jesus has called us to go wide, to include all nations in our discipleship and therefore in our church. Let's go long, let's go wide, but also Jesus has called us to go deep. He told his followers to make disciples. Notice he wasn't after just decisions, but disciples. And there's a difference here. There's a really big difference. Years ago, Time Magazine reported on a Billy Graham crusade. A little after, a year after the crusade, they returned and they surveyed those who had responded to the invitation. Sadly, Only 15% of those who had made a decision to receive Christ were still living as active disciples. Understand, I'm not knocking Billy Graham. I think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And let's be thankful for the 15% that stuck. But the statistic points out that it's a lot easier to get decisions than it is to make disciples. A clear presentation and a needy heart often combine to produce a decision. But to make a disciple, it requires time, understanding, and application of the Scriptures, trials, and perseverance, and brokenness. And did I say time? Jesus told his men to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then teach them to observe, to do all that he had commanded. The goal was not just a verbal profession of faith, but believers were supposed to act on their faith and get baptized, then add to their faith and learn to live the way Jesus lives. This is a disciple. He acts on what he believes, and then he adds to what he believes. He grows. He matures. Are you acting acting on and adding to your faith? I know there are churches in our area that are more uplifting. Church is more like a pep rally or maybe a day spa. The pastor gears his sermon to the lowest common spiritual denominator. He scratches where the people itch and uses the Bible to meet their felt needs. Each week he shows them how biblical truths will help out. And they do. They do help. The gospel meets us where we're at. It gives us hope. But if the pastor never takes me beyond what God can do for me, he's done nothing more than sanctify my selfishness. We were made for God, not vice versa. And we find our highest pleasures when we bow to his will. This is why the Bible not only encourages and comforts, but it challenges and it convicts and it exposes our sin and it cuts us to the heart at times. The scriptures slay selfishness. Its intention is certainly not to aid and abet it. When we go through the scriptures, the scripture goes through us. It's not the easiest exercise to endure. 
When you study the Bible, you're challenged, not just consoled. A real Bible study is more like a chiropractic adjustment than it is a back scratch. We like shoulder rubs, don't we? But what we often need is a radical realignment. As a pastor, my goal is to teach you not what I want you to know from the Bible. It's not to teach you what I think is going to please you and bring you back the next week. It's to teach you the Bible itself. I want to let the Bible speak without my spin. This is how we make disciples. We immerse our thinking in God's Word until it conforms our minds to His will. Rather than just skip along the surface, we go deep and we grasp what the Bible means and says about life. It was A.W. Tozer who once said, sermonettes make Christianettes. He was saying lightweight sermons produce wimpy, lightweight Christians. And I agree. At the end of the day, every pastor should remember that his congregation will not only be counted, but also weighed. So what if a lot of people come to church and leave unchanged? I promise you, if you come to Calvary Chapel, I won't waste your time. We want to go deep. In fact, this Wednesday night, we start what most folks consider to be the meatiest book in the Bible, the book of Romans. Every Bible doctrine finds its best defense and fullest explanation in Paul's letter to the Romans. Come, and you'll be stretched. You'll be transformed as we go deep. And lastly, we want to go far. In 2019, we want to go long, we want to go wide, we want to go deep, and we also want to go far. There's a big world out there that needs Jesus, and we want to reach beyond just the four walls of our church. Jesus said he would be with us until the end of the age. But that is not, doesn't give us reason to just sit around and take up space and get nothing done. He's with us until the end of the age, so we'll have time to reach the ends of the earth. At Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain, our vision is to go beyond our church. We want to have an impact wherever God directs us. In 2012, before he went to heaven, my pastor, Chuck Smith, asked me to help oversee the Calvary Chapels. He appointed me to the Calvary Chapel Leadership Council. And over the last several years, I've tried to be faithful to that calling. My focus and concern has expanded, and my travel schedule has followed suit. Just this past year, 2018, I taught 76 Bible studies outside of our own church. In addition to crisscrossing the United States, I spoke at Calvary Chapel conferences in Japan, New Zealand, and in Haiti. And I hope you notice I made it back for most Sundays. My concern is always Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain first, but other responsibilities have been added to my plate and to yours as well. Each year we host several conferences that encourage the Calvary Chapels here in the South. It's part of our calling as a church. Jesus told his followers in verse 19 to make disciples of all the nations. That all implies no limitations. Believers in Jesus should be open to wherever he sends them, even faraway places like Noonan, Georgia. Recently, my wife taught me a huge lesson. Pastor Joel from the Calvary Chapel in Noonan, he called me 
and he asked me if I knew of a good man that he could hire to do youth ministry and to lead worship at his church. Well, I said I'd pray about it, even though I had just had a conversation with J.P., J.P. Garrison, about his availability. J.P. told me, yes, sure, he'd love to go and help another Calvary Chapel. Well, a few days later, I told Kathy about my chat with Joel. I laughed. I confessed. There's no way I'm going to tell J.P. about this opportunity. (laughs) He might just do it. And that means Stephanie would go with him. I don't want that. I I, I would kind of miss J.P. I mean, he's a Tennessee fan. I mean, I'd sort of miss him. But, but I sure didn't want Stephanie to go anywhere else. And I'll never forget Kathy's gentle words, the gentle words that God spoke to me through my wife. <laughs> Kathy says, well, when did you become God? <laughs> well, I was busted, man. She was right. God has called us all to go. Hey, we should, we should hold on to each other with a loose grip. None of us are home until we get to heaven. Today is JP and Stephanie's last Sunday here at Calvary Chapel. And of course, I expect Stephanie, though, to visit quite often. JP will be working, but Steph needs to come back. <laughs> but I want you to pray that God will use them mightily in the Calvary Chapel there in Noonan. But I also want you to pray for the next person at our church to hear the Lord say, go, and then step up to fill their spots. It'll happen. God is faithful to do that. Surely the call to go doesn't mean everyone ought to leave our church, but it does mean that we should all have a go posture. Last summer, teams from our church were willing to go and help serve at three youth camps. In October, volunteers were willing to go to the Carolinas and do hurricane relief. Next week, Pastor James and Alan will go to Liberia. In April, I'm scheduled to go to the Philippines. In 2019, God wants us to go far. And if you can't go, then give so another one can go. We have a choice to make, friends. We can be a sitting church or a going church. I've read the Great Commission a number of times now, and nowhere does it say sit. In fact, the Bible uses the word go 1,542 times, but it contains only 69 usages of the word stay. The Bible is all about go. Go long, go wide, go deep, and go far. Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain may not be a big church or a rich church or a hip church, But we can be a going church. We can continue to make a difference in our community here in the southeast and even around the world. This is what Jesus is calling us to be and to do. And you know, sometimes going far involves going just around the corner. To go out of your way for a neighbor in need, a person who's lonely or lost or loveless, your compassion is like help from heaven. You know it goes a long way. Here's a short poem for you. Go takes you places. Go to see. Go to hear. Go to feel. Go to touch. 
Go to learn. Go to know. Go to serve. Here, nothing much happens, so go. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 reads, There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I'm sure the author would have also added, could have also added, a time to wait and a time to go. And I believe our time to go is now. 2019 is our year to go long and go wide and go deep and go far. I want to be honest. And I know I'm now preaching to the choir. The folks that are present today are probably not the ones who need to hear what I want to say. But at times I get frustrated. I wonder if folks really care about their church. How can they truly care and be so nonchalant The Little League team or the PTA gets more of their allegiance than God's representative, His church. Metaphorically, if this church building were an airplane and we could go, if we could really lift off, if we could sprout wings and fly this morning, and if I were to tell you we're taking off right now, would you be ready to go or would you want to stay? I want to close this morning in an odd way. I'm going to leave you with a Delta Airlines commercial. It's called Runways. The old saying, good things come to those who wait, is just that, old. Those good things, you have to get out there and chase them. We see it in the millions of people we fly around the world, all of them living proof. Good things come to those who go. Okay, hear that, hear that punchline one more time. Good things come to those who go. That's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Good things come to those who go long and who go wide and who go deep and who go far. But you've got to go. 2019 is the year that you and I are to rise up and go. Go long and support what we're doing at Calvary Chapel with your attendance and your finances and your prayers. Go wide this year. Target someone that you wouldn't naturally gravitate toward, a person different from you, and turn them into a brother or sister of Christ. Go deep into the study and application of God's Word. Really make it your effort this year to grow spiritually, to become a disciple, and to go far. Step out in a way that God can use you. Don't sit back in 2019. Make this year your time to go. Go long, go wide, go deep, and go far. For let's remember, good things come to those who go.